just because you enjoy something doesn't mean you can't critique it or you have to just stop liking things that are bad. Sometimes it's necessary. <laughs> They just fly onto the boat. <laughs> the best part of the entire movie. I mean, yeah. there were so many shots of people getting run over by cars. Like for every John Wick, there should be like a Ruby Rose yeah. equivalent. Yeah. I'm Sarah Barson. And I'm Kelly Kaufman. And together with you, dear listener, we form the Bad Feminist Film Club. Hi, Bad Feminists. Welcome to Hello. Bad Feminist Film Club. We are back for another week, for another meeting. And uh, this week, we are very excited to be talking about <laughs> definitely one of my formative movies, which is Phantom of the yeah. Opera from 2004. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think I have a distinct memory of watching it on, like, TNT on cable. or yes. something. It's definitely one of those. It's like, it's on at 3 p.m. on a Sunday, and you're 12. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, so I I have a distinct memory of seeing this again, yeah when I was like twelve. It was definitely in the Pirates of the Caribbean like era, mm. like all of this. And I remember watching it on my my friend had one of those teeny tiny little TVs in her bedroom, and we watched it in her bedroom. And we and like the next day I, I came over, I was like, "Can we watch Run of the Opera?" Because <laughs> I was like, "I've never seen anything like this in my life. Like, what is this?" Well, it's just wild because I think if you're not a big theater person or I mean honestly like I think we've said this before but you know going to a Broadway show is not cheap so a lot of ways people access a lot of these (laughs) shows is through the movie version of it which is like I think some of it's the same but it has its own flavor and also this premise is just a wild one um and Andrew the Weber, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. And this is one of his, his like, core, like, best the, ones, one would argue. And I would say maybe one of the most tame in terms of, well, yeah. because it has an established, like, it's based on the book and then also the movie. Yeah. Like, the original, like. So is Cats, the source materials. So is Cats. <laughs> and look where that got us. That's based on a book, technically. Yeah. <laughs> But the but the source material of Phantoms like pretty much one to one like totally it doesn't is. change too yeah. much. But yeah, Cats <laughs> was just like a short like T. S. Eliot different. But yes, you know, not everyone gets to make a rock opera based on the classic film Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, so I also think this one is very interesting because it mm-hmm. is one of the very few adaptations I can think of where not only was Andrew Lloyd Webber involved, but yeah. this got this script for this movie, or at least the first draft, got written right at the time that the actual musical came out. Which is a right. huge deal. Yeah. Because so basically <laughs> this came out in I think the the Broadway show came out in nineteen eighty six, huge mm-hmm. success, all these things. Mm-hmm. And then what I read was that Angela Weber was impressed with Joel Schumacher's use of music in The Lost Boys, and that was how he became involved, which I love because Lost Boys is, like, one of my top movies. I adore that movie. So, um, apparently, and then they got together in, I think it was 1989, and wrote the first iteration of this. It was supposed to star the original cast, which was Michael Crawford and Sarah Brightman. Which I think is fascinating that they would actually get... Which I think is very telling of the time as well of using the actual Broadway actors, which is something I think we kind of want to get into about this movie in the final product. But 
Yeah, no, totally. No, no, no. I agree because like, what is... I I do think this one was a little bit special because it's like Hamilton where like it was such I think mm-hmm. it was such a phenomenon culturally that they could have gotten away with using the original cast in the same Absolutely. way that Lin Manuel Miranda could play him in the movie you know, mm-hmm. um, but uh, <laughs> the thing that tanked this was that Angela Weber and Sarah Brightman were married and then they got divorced and then this movie never <laughs> got made <laughs> until two thousand four <laughs> so that's how we ended up where we are but Joel Schumacher stayed on and ended up directing it still which i think is fascinating so like obviously joel schumacher's mainly known (laughs) positively or negatively depending on your impression of the batman movies most importantly batman and robin which is i think the only george Clooney one which is a wild ride (laughs) um of camp of just of they stopped making Batman movies for ten <laughs> years because of that movie, um, and I just I just have this visual image of like Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Oh, yes, <laughs> just no, all of it. The the nipples on the suits. I mean, really. Oh. Like again, when I when yeah. I went back to rewatch this, and I was like, oh yeah, what what else did that guy do? Because I knew about that and all these yeah. things, and I was like. This weirdly makes sense. It's like he it took does. Lost Boys, the the style and the like, kind of like wildness of Lost Boys with the camp of the Batman movie and combine it, and you apparently get a pretty good fan of the Copper movies <laughs> somewhere in there. Well, I think that's I think that's what's important because I think a lot of people, um, I would say like a lot of mainstream view of like the Batman movies that Joe Schumacher did is like they were too campy, they were too silly, um, and that's why you pretty much get the <laughs> the complete opposite of the Christopher Nolan movies. It's like what if yes. no camp? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> no color. Um, but in terms of the Phantom of the Opera, it's necessary because. You can't do, as they do some movie musicals now, just kind of a real straight take on this yes. movie. Because you're, the premise alone, if you don't already know, is that there's a man inside an opera house, like, <laughs> the haunting people. And he's not it's, a ghost. He's not supernatural. He's just a man. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I think, I definitely think that is a big part of this is, like, they had the perfect synergy of a story mm-hmm. that is just screams drama from Go. That is the point, right. in a way, of this character, mixed with a director who is like willing to give yeah. in to that to a certain degree. And I think that is really crucial because, like, I mm-hmm. definitely, you know, as happens so often when I go back and revisit these movies that I loved when I was younger and now mm-hmm. I'm watching and I'm older. This is, like, and I know people feel this way about the musical, too, but this is, like, the OG, like, angst, like, brooding man and, like, sword fights in graveyards. Mm -hmm. And, like, she's, like, being, like, overcome by, like, a mysterious man, you know? And it's just all of that. It's just, like, it is the original. Like, that is what Phantom of the Opera is all about for, like, a certain class of nerd, for sure. (laughs) Well, and especially, like, a certain, like, demographic like age demographic um especially if you're in the more like i would say late gen x millennial types because that's you know i would say like pre-twilight pre all that stuff and especially because of the the show being in like from the 80s as well is that source material has been around for a while and it's definitely (laughs) and it also depends on like you know if their interpretation of phantom because Mm -hmm. 
if done wrong, then he's, like, too creepy, and then you can't really, like, enjoy the, the yes. ride that is Phantom, you know? This movie, I mean, again, watching it through modern eyes, it was also very interesting because I watched this, I had just watched Labyrinth very close to rewatching watching oh, yeah. this, and I was like, wow, again, two very formative movies that explain a lot about who I am, but um, <laughs> they really... It, it, really struck me that like both of these like this one would have come out at a time that was close to labyrinth Mm. and these and both of those stories are kind of about like the dangers of like seemingly hot brooding older men who are actually like red flag city you know and so i think that's super interesting as well because i do think the movie mostly manages to walk the line between like sympathy for that character but also He's not in the right at the end of the movie, you know? Yeah, but I do think it also comes from an older view where I think the soft spot for Phantoms, like, a lot stronger than if this was written more modern times. Like, I think this is, like, he is supposed to be, like, and especially he's supposed to be alluring. Yes. And he's supposed to be, you know, brings in Christine and especially in the kind of... Like, classic sense. So it's, like, I think it's it's also from, like, a more older school of thought of, like, well, you know, he's, like, not that bad. <laughs> and then especially given the, which I'll bring up a little later, of the, the Phantom sequel. Oh my which God. doesn't seem to do as well because it falls into the, well, Phantom's, like, mostly good. Yeah, maybe he wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I know. And it's, right. I mean, but that, again, like tale as old as time this that has mm-hmm. been the treatment of this character from go that is what it's all yeah. about that yeah, is why the theater is. girls love this story and i'm sure guys as well where it's like because he's he's a hot brooding guy and mm-hmm. you're allowed to for like the space of this movie be like what if what if that was fine you know what and if? like that is yeah the exactly. stories and i i love that and i do love that it is like sort of a cautionary tale but i do you know my little like villain loving heart is like very glad that we got this movie at the time that we did and that it was allowed to just be pretty true to the source material i would say and at least to the musical because yeah like i don't want a story where like the phantom is like a completely irredeemable like yeah that's how it is yeah (laughs) like well and he's just in the movie he's in the show slash movie too much for him to just be the straight villain Also, Ryle's not interesting enough to (laughs) carry any of it. Um, But I think something I did want to know, especially because it's in 2004, and I think Mm -hmm. why it also works at the time that it does, is, like, if you kind of look at more recent movie musicals, like, I even think of, which I haven't seen, but also think of, like, Dear Evan Hansen, Mm -hmm. like, Les Miserables, I think they are veering into more realism Mm -hmm. in the sense where there's, like, less camp and I don't think they do as well because theater is not necessarily inherently campy but there is a sense but of musicals are I yes, think that's yes. a huge difference because theater mm-hmm. can be very serious can but be, if you make a serious right. musical you're just making like an East End drama like you're not making like what well, makes a musical so exciting and representational well, exactly and especially because like with something like Dear Evan Hansen which the the plot of that is so bizarre on its own is that when when you take it very straightforward people aren't going to enjoy it and it's not gonna be enjoyable because so if you kind of lose the fun and camp of a of a musical in your movie adaptation then it all the plot holes all the kind of fantastical elements just fall really flat and don't 
don't work at all. And like um, Les Miserables, like not quite to the same extent, but because it's so like straight shot, and then you have like Russell Crowe singing his own <laughs> music, and you're you're just taking out of the fantasy yeah. of the musical. Like most musicals, in at least partially in one way or another, are a fantasy. And so if you don't have that kind of fantastical elements and are willing to indulge in it, it doesn't work. And especially yeah. when it comes to a movie musical, because like obviously it, you don't have the advantage of being in a theater. You don't have the advantage yeah. of having these sets. So you need to recreate it in its own way. And I think luckily because Joel Schumacher is like more on the side of camp, that works with Phantom. Because if yes. yeah, if we did it straight up... <laughs> People be like, it'd be too creepy, first of all. Like, it's not good. (laughs) Yeah, bad times. No, it definitely, I think you're, I think that's a great point because I do think that there is a certain language to musicals that if you are familiar with theaters, we've definitely talked about this on another episode. I I think we did in the Hamilton. I guess. Thank you. That was what I was like. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I definitely think there is a language to theater that is understood if you know musicals specifically. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie did a actually quite a good job of walking the line between bowing to that convention in a lot of cases mm-hmm. like there's you know as we talked about with Hamilton I think there, there's very little yeah. spoken dialogue in this it is almost all singing you know and that's a very musical thing you know but then um right I also think it walked a really wonderful line I was just thinking about like the costuming and some of the set design yeah it walks a great line between being like reasonably historically accurate actually in a lot of it mm-hmm. but in some cases like bending more towards the camp and the theatrical and allowing those costumes yeah. to get like big and beautiful and all these things so i honestly when i was rewatching this i was like this is actually so well adapted and so and it is i think the best that you can get with this kind of source material and and absolutely musical. yeah yeah i think there's some flaws which i'll kind of get yeah. into especially in terms of uh, casting, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that, uh, which is known, but I, I do think you do need a filmmaker who understands theater and in particular musicals of how they need to have, a little, they need to be a little fun. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they need to, and like, that's why Joel Schumacher is good at what he does is like, he understands when you need to have camp. And then like, and also like, like, for example, good casting is like Minnie Driver. Mm-hmm. Like that is She's someone so who good. is great. But she's also, like, a movie actress, yeah. which, like, I think works well. It kind of bridges that movie musical uh, genre. And then having, I think, I don't know, she's done probably some theater, but I think mm-hmm. I think of her more of as a movie actress. And I think that works really well because she knows what movie she's in. Yes, yes. No, and they all really do. I mean, I definitely think there are a couple, like, odd choices. But let's I, yeah. let's get into it because we should just start at the yeah, top because yeah, yeah. I got I have yeah, some things absolutely. to say. <laughs> Okay, so obviously the big the big one in this movie is casting Gerard Butler as the Phantom, which is an in, insane choice because I mean, God bless him. I I like him in this actually and we'll get into I, that. I do like I'm him. I'm okay in with this. it. It's I have thoughts, but I'm okay with it. But what is insane, this is pre-300 by 2 years, which is he, which is just I didn't know who Gerard Butler was before 300. No. And I don't think most people did. I would say, like, if you, at least if you're an American audience, I guess. Uh, yeah. Like, most people don't. Like, he was in a James Bond movie, but you would not have been like, oh, Gerard Butler. Yeah, that one guy. never dies. Yeah, so, like, virtually unknown to U.S. audiences, yeah. at least, I would say. And also, God bless him, he is doing his best 
not a singer. Not a classically trained singer, I should say. Because not a classically trained singer. He had never, I, at least according to IMDb, he was saying, like, he mm. never had a singing lesson, like, before, like, this movie. Yeah. Like, he really, and I mean, I think he does reasonably well considering that yeah. fact but i'm also like but why why this guy like what was the thinking well, well the, the the issue i think especially is when christine is played by emmy rossum yes who is at from a very young age trained in like classic opera music so you have someone on the flip side who i would say is kind of the ideal Christine in terms of she is in a movie you know like has done TV film but also has the chops as a opera singer or you know Mm -hmm. probably not quite the same professional but like can kind of mimic that for the movie and so I think that's what those two like together sometimes doesn't work in terms of like their duets yeah because you have someone who's doing classic christine soprano and then you have someone who's not a bad singer having to compete with that though is very difficult and like i don't think they harmonize well in some parts and i think they uh they meaning like critics make that to be Gerard butler's not a good singer yeah where i think it's more of like they're not harmonizing and then he just gets his low performance. <laughs> he's just up against yeah, I think you're totally right. He's up against a movie that is reasonably full of like actually quite good singers, you know? And then also yeah. something else I was remembering is like, so this is 2004. This is right when Autotune was first mm, kind of like beginning mm-hmm. to be used like recognizably. And I think I can hear it in parts where they have tried to enhance that and it doesn't really yeah. work. So I also think there are many examples in like kind of what we were talking about in more recent adaptations where people are probably yes. not good singers, but they have the benefit of very much better technology, you know? So absolutely. one thing I'm just thinking about, this is a weird comparison. I yeah. think of this phantom as like the Daniel Craig to like the previous Pierce Brosnan. Does that make <laughs> sense? So I'm like, this is a yeah, very no, rough, I get that. raw, yes. like very like, uh, like gravelly version of it. And I'm like, I'm not... Yeah mad at it when I forget what I thought this was supposed to be, you know? Right. If you're comparing it to the musical, Broadway musical, no. No. (laughs) But what I was thinking is that, you know, since it is, it contains within the opera, like kind of, I would say, like electric guitars, like a kind Mm. of like rock element Mm -hmm. to the music itself, Um, especially because it was made in the 80s, it sounds very 80s. I was thinking, like, I wonder if they got him and his voice because you know in like the 2000s like late 90s there was like it wasn't it was like kind of this post grunge rock where they like retained some of that like pearl jam like like gruffness but it was still in like a poppier way where it wasn't like traditional grunge of the 90s and like and he kind of sounds more like that Hmm. which kind of works if you're kind of seeing as is like more modern maybe someone who like sings in that kind of more rock yeah uh like tone and i think that's what kind of works but then it doesn't work when your other characters doing the classically trained yeah, version. it is it is mind-boggling to me i mean again and i'm not complaining because also like man he looks good in this movie <laughs> i was, I was like, gonna say it's like there's a reason i like the, this movie like <laughs> well the thing is it's like you know Gerard butler is very alluring yeah. and i think you know i I think that's also why he was so famous in three, like after 300. Mm. Uh, 
Which we've also done. I forgot we also did that. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that was a long, long time. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, object- objectification of men by Zack Snyder part, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Five billion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but then also he, like, does rom-coms after. So he, like, yes. does have, like, a natural, like, allure to him. And I think that works. And that's what works in this it movie. It totally works in this movie. And that's what, again, what flabbergasts me that, like, because, like, if you had said he was in 300 and all these romantic comedies and then got cast as Phantom. Yeah. Totally understand. But as it is, it's like, he's not famous and he's not known as a singer. How did this happen? Was it just on looks? Because I, I mean, sure, I mean, but there's maybe. a lot of other like attractive people who I'm sure can also sing. You know, like, I mean, like I don't know if it's like he did a test with Emmy Rossum and like maybe. not a singing portion, and yeah. maybe they, they just were had like, chemistry. you did yeah. it. Because I do think they also like they do have chemistry, so I yeah. think that works. And yeah. I don't know, maybe Angela Weber met him one time and was like, "He's fit." <laughs> I mean, honestly, I feel like that's what it has to have been—is that someone he knew someone or they had worked together yeah. or something, and like that's how it all came to pass. Because yeah, I don't know. Because I think it's like it's obviously someone who has a soft spot for Phantom. I think yeah. in general, also because like we were saying before, not only is like the show kind of bal- doing a balancing act of alluring man slash red flag. But the actor of Phantom has to, like, not be a full-on creep. Yeah, <laughs> or it's very, like it just doesn't work. He does manage to be very menacing in parts, which I do think yes. is really good. Which and I think good. that's, like, important. And so I do, although I will say, again, God bless him, every time he sings fighting for his life against his accent <laughs> like oh my god yes oh there my god parts, like one line that i remember they should just let him do his accent you <laughs> and that's know? what i was like, gonna say point. i was like let him do it why not let there be a scottish phantom i think that would be amazing like but there's definitely Could lines where he's like wait i think my dear there's every time <laughs> yeah. i hear it i'm like <laughs> it's pretty funny it's pretty great I-, I noticed it more this time where it was like every time he opens his mouth i was like ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's not great, but yeah, it works. But it's fun, and that's what I care about. But it's fun. And also, you know, it's, who is he trying to imitate? Like, oh, well, that's not the correct accent of people who live in opera houses. Exactly. I know, and it's like, look, you're never going to live up to Michael Crawford, because nobody is. Although, no. t- complete sidebar, I recently saw yeah. a clip of Antonio Banderas singing. Oh, I saw that. Oh, my God. I was like, hey, I didn't know he could I mean, sing, but like... If you're listening to this, do yourself a favor. It is, it is like spine tingling. It is, a, it is insane. And well, it's like yeah, because it's like first, it's mind blowing you that you're watching Antonio Banderas sing Zorro, and even. let alone <laughs> do the Phantom thing. It's yeah, just, I was like, Whoa. it's really something else. Um, yeah. So, anyways, but yeah, it's it. Well, it's just such an odd because it's like I don't, I don't hate it, right? Like I don't think it's anything bad, and I think it like adds a kind of an additional element to this mm-hmm. movie. But it is kind of like you were saying, like, it's a bizarre choice, especially given the fact that this is, he wasn't, I think, at the time, like, a box office draw. So you can't be like, oh, he was coming off 300. Yeah. And they wanted to. So it's it's just like, I think, and we can look back at this, like, in 20 years and be like, that's still an odd choice. <laughs> yeah. But it does i think it does work i think it mainly no, works so. because his acting is good like i, I think, think so. it's and it's also like you want to watch him you know there is another reason i think i have a soft spot for this movie is that these days when you cast people in these musicals it is for 
box office draw. It is for star power. Yes. It is for recognizability mm-hmm. overseas. It is for all. The, it is for like followers on Instagram. For all I know, you know, it's all these things. Yeah. And this movie is not that. It is for the most part. No. Yeah. It is all these people are cast on their singing abilities or their experience yeah. with this kind of film. Or, and then there's Dry Butler for some reason, but, you know, (laughs) but, but everyone else, because like, Amy Rossum, great in this. She is such an incredible voice, like, and, and I think she, yeah, she is like a really fantastic Christine. Um, I I was just thinking that, yeah. Because she also, which I think is right for the character, but did make me laugh this time through, where like, (laughs) half this movie is just her staring like gormlessly into like the middle distance <laughs> looking like entranced you know also i forgot that there are multiple times in this movie where like when she's like starting to like be seduced she magically yes. gets eyeshadow which again is a prime example of like someone knowing the intent of the musical and translating that for film and being like hey you know what we have we can cut and like apply new makeup so let's yeah. just do it let's like add that why not you know like it's so good no her 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 like trances are just like fascinating to watch because they're just very glaringly obvious yeah. <laughs> and it's like it works it's so good and it's especially like oh <laughs> it always cracks me up though and like i don't know like i haven't seen the broadway show so i don't know if they bring a live horse for some of it but what I was crying. when she's like on the horse. Oh yeah, in the dungeons of the opera. I had so many questions this time. That one was a big question. The other one was like, there's those massive statues underneath and his lair that are like holding up the yes. ceiling. And I was yeah. like, I don't know why those are there. This is the basement for all intents and purposes. <laughs> I love it, but I have questions. <laughs> This is this is the this is like the part where they just throw out the entire logic of what this opera house could even possibly look like, yeah. given that like because I know I know in the the show there's also like he's doing yeah. the gondola thing, yeah. but it's definitely like more apparent when I think you watch a movie, is <laughs> it you're like wait, so you took her. On a horse to a lagoon <laughs> under our planes, trains, and automobiles, just getting to his lair. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> but you know, you know what's something I did really like though. While we're talking about kind of like the the phantom trance mm-hmm. is the so when the, when he she first goes through the mirror mm-hmm. and they do the like Beauty and the Beast silent film oh, like yes. uh, candelabras. Yeah. Which is just a straight pull from that movie. Yeah. That's exactly what totally. they're doing. And then when another character goes through that same corridor again, yes. it's just dark and dingy yes. and like doesn't look like that at all. And I think that was a great little piece. Where I love that too. Then you then you don't know what's real. Yes. Like, was that horse real? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that gondola ride. Real? I also you know? I have a theory about this movie because I was listening to it this time and there's a part where, so she sings her first like reveal, like mm-hmm. awe moment. And then she goes to the chapel to, like, pray to her dad or whatever she's doing oh, there. Oh, the angel of music. The angel of music, you know. And so so she goes there. And then her friend Meg comes and finds her. And they're singing. And there's all these yeah. gas lights everywhere. And she's like, Christine, your face, it's white. Your your hands are cold. And I'm like, this is all about, this is fucking carbon monoxide poisoning. And everyone <laughs> who goes in that theater is having, like, a mass hallucin- hallucination about this. Like, oh, there's a guy in the theater. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, I know, because I think when I rewatch it this time, 
of just being like, it's the spirit of my father, the angel of music, who I'm also attracted to in some way that I do not quite articulate. There's so much trauma. <laughs> it's like this, this girl, doesn't. This girl's a lot of trauma. She's, she's <laughs> no, working through a lot. No. <laughs> And, and well, I think I think that's what's important to note too, because when we talk about like the Phantom and like casting in the movie, it's like there's stuff in the text that is going to seem very wild, and the movie kind of has like yeah, the angel of music. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I also think it's crazy. thank God they're. The casting in this is such that they all feel like they're kind of the same age because I definitely, I I feel like I read somewhere that like Angela Weber initially wanted her to be younger um, and eventually was like, oh no, like just get someone who can sing basically, like whatever, you know, but um, I was like, oh, thank God, because with, even without that, lots of questionable things like are happening in this movie, so. Well, because I think it's like even, I think they always cast older because like you said, they need someone who can sing Mm -hmm. Christine's parts, but she is supposed to be like younger and naive yeah, she's still, an and it's yeah. and it just a little <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you have to balance it, like, and I think Emmy Rossum does a good job of essentially doing that young doe-eyed look, yeah. but like she's an adult. I don't feel too creeped out. Yeah, because <laughs> also she, you know, I do think there's. You know, the story is what it is. Like, it's this is just her character. Like, she's not meant to be, like, this, like, strong female, you know? But I do no. think at mm-hmm. the very end, like, one thing I've always loved about, like, this mu- musical and the text are in the, in the movie are, like, at the end where she's, like, honestly, dude, like, it's not what you're doing. Like, it's not your face. That's the fucking problem, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, and I really, you know, she has that an actual moment where she has the agency to, like, explain to this guy, like, hey, man, I've yes. made my choice and you need to, like, chill out about it. And, like, you know, paraphrasing, obviously. But, um, you know, I think it – I like that about this story that, like, at the end of the day, except for the sequel, which shall not be named, um, at the end of the day – Oh, I will name it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, in this story, like, she, that is the outcome. And, like, that's, I think, the only mm-hmm. way that this story could, like, attain the level it has is, like, yeah. if, if there had been forgiveness, like, it would have been a very different story. Well, that's the thing about this show is that you were saying earlier is like it it has to pull back on the love for the Phantom a little bit, mm-hmm. even if he is the most interesting character, even if you know you like him a lot. Yeah. Um, it can't you know it, him being the like victor at the end just doesn't really work, especially <laughs> given what he's done previously, which that doesn't work in the. I would say if you want, if you're interested in Phantom at all, go on the Love Never Dies Wikipedia and go just read yeah, it. Yeah, just read it. <laughs> um, that is a classic example of the original author being too favored into one character and yeah. then just completely undoing everything you did previously. Yeah, it's like the original like fan fiction of your own characters. Like it's 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 truly insane. <laughs> Yeah, like it reminds me of like a like a J.K. Rowling. I've yeah. done too much, and now I can't go back. Exactly. Uh, and I've ruined it. For it's like it's like it's the cursed child. Yeah, of, uh, fan, of Phantom text. Maybe even worse, to be honest. It's yeah, it's really rough. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, okay. So then, someone else that I love in this movie that I was as I was rewatching it is Patrick oh. Wilson, who is just singing his little heart out, being like the straight man, like knight in shining armor to it's everyone else's brooding. So good. <laughs> well, 
like Patrick Wilson just as an actor always it always delights me because mm-hmm. I think he really has found a niche and the niche is B-level stuff. It doesn't yeah. matter what Whatever genre wants, it is. Honestly, that's what his niche is. Is like he just picks well, what he likes, I guess. Like, because I think he's like he's in the. Um, I want to say I think it's a con. Yeah, he's in the Conjuring series. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's done like four to five yeah. of those, which is like a lot. Yeah. And he's like, was it Aquaman, <laughs> which we've spoken about before? Um, he's in this movie. He's gonna be an upcoming movie where the moon is not what it seems. Yeah. And just think. And I just think it's interesting because he just like looks like kind of like the classically handsome actor, and yet, and I think that kind of that definitely works yes, in this. Yeah. But I think it's just it's just interesting to me that he he loves a good genre piece, regardless yes. of what it is. You know, yeah. it's like he couldn't wait to get his hands on Phantom. He's playing the straight man as he should, but he's still he's still given a little. He's, he's given a little camp I, too. Again, you know? I'm I'm not mad at it when he was in the graveyard and like all like bloody and like yes. dirty, and I was oh, like, was okay, this is fine. Um. I have a question for you. I don't know the answer to this. Do you think he's wearing a wig in this movie? Crucial, crucial question. Yeah, I think so. Do you think so? Because it's a quite a good wig, if that is the case. Because I was looking... I mean, I feel like Andrew Lloyd Webber would probably (laughs) shell out for a good wig. This this isn't a a Marvel movie. (laughs) This is a real movie. I don't know. So, like... I, this is going to be a wig talk, like a, a, a wig. We're a wig segment. Yeah, a wig segment. Let's see him. Um, I thought he was, it was his own hair until the masquerade and there is a slight glimpse of perhaps it is not, but I thought it might be his own hair. Well, I think what, I think what's important to know is that I think it falls really in, in line with his hairline because he is like, he has a, a part like that's receding. Yeah. So either they like lay, it's laid. Yeah. Really well, which I think is true, and I think they just, like, didn't... Because he does have, like... I mean... (laughs) It's not bad. It's just, like, it's slightly receding, and I think the wig, like, comes, like, a little... Yeah. I think he's wearing like a widow's... He definitely has, like, a widow's peak, like, naturally, I think. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I was, like... He looks that's, like he that's a have, lot to grow out. It could... It would be a lot to grow out. I feel like if anyone's gonna do it, it's gonna be him. But, um... Yeah, so that was my only thought. I I thought it could be real, but if it's not, it is an extremely good wig, and I have to give props to whoever did that. You know, you don't you don't get to see a good wig in every movie, (laughs) so you got to applaud it when it happens. (laughs) Let alone in two thousand four. I know. (laughs) Well, I think that's the other thing. It's like, well, I mean, they probably brought like their their Broadway person. I was like, listen, we're not messing. Or maybe they give him a little like uh like a little uh extensions. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Legit, I was like, that is could be that. It looks like because it's got that little flip at the bottom, and I was like, that boy's hair it just got straightened. It is very, it is like beautiful and luscious, and it has the little uh, little flip at the bottom, you know. And I was like, uh, could be real. We don't know. Um, <laughs> that was what I thought about for like thirty percent of this movie. Um, <laughs> like, is it? Is it real? Oh, we, we don't know. Um, and I mean, honestly, everyone else is great in this. I mean, Minnie Driver is phenomenal. Also, she mm-hmm. is the only one who is dubbed in this movie, which is crazy because she's actually a singer. I think it's because <laughs> of what she is being asked to sing in this, which is very like. Mm-hmm. It's big. It's really difficult to sing that yeah. that style, so I can understand it. But that's insane. And then I forgot that Siren Hines is in this movie, 
Mr. Persuasion I himself. I forgot about that. And then he showed up and I was like, yeah. I was like, why does that guy look familiar? And I was like, oh. His, 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 like, acting career is really just all over the place. And I was like, oh, it's like he's in this movie. Yeah, I know. Him, Mr. Gibbs. The King Beyond the Wall. I know. The King Beyond the Wall is in this. Uh, Mr. Gibbs. Oh, yeah, Mr. Gibbs. is in this. I know. There's a lot of good people. And again, everyone's doing a phenomenal job. I love um, Tyrion Hines and the other guy, I forget his name, Andre. Um, they're great. Well, they're so fun. Like, yeah. Well, I think the key to this is is definitely casting more, I would say, like, for the secondary characters, more character actors mm-hmm. instead of, like you were saying. And we're seeing this, like, so much. I think I want to touch on this also is kind of the, say, 2010s, late, tw- like, 2000s movie musicals is really going heavy into caring about actors. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, like, not to go too broad into it, you also see the same thing with voice acting as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yes. on the whole, is that is you're seeing it really turn to notable characters. Like even in the new Dear Evan Hansen movie, like Julianne Moore is the mom. Mm-hmm. That's not you know that's not someone who's generally known for being a singer. I think Les Miserables, I think was a very classic, and I think inspired a lot of this trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at that weird cinderella amazon movie that just has <laughs> camilla cabello yeah. and it's like and, it, and the draw is just watch these people sing yes um, yeah and there's not much care into the theater or slash musical part of it yeah. and it's very kind of hollywood driven that they stop caring about whether this actor fits this role and yeah. it's more just like how can we shove in russell crowe in a french which is ironic because i feel like i get russell crowe and gerard butler confused a lot and i i just i was like "Hmm, interesting Um, and yeah and i think i think it's this is such a touchstone where you're getting people who like are a little less recognizable mm -hmm. like you're not necessarily i mean like emmy rossum's now famous because of that shameless Shameless show but but like that's not necessarily like when it came out that was like her big thing so I think it's kind of special in that way where they actually decided to cast well yeah. or at least were thoughtful in their casting mm-hmm. whether or not you agree maybe with the Gerard Butler casting is that it it wasn't based on him being famous or anything like that it was more just him as an actor yeah where you just don't say and it, it's like you know that joke or it's like a like cats like why is James Corden in all of this <laughs> yes, now? Exactly. It's, it's 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 these trends that you just see of just or even the new casting of Wicked, which, like, no offense to those women, because I think they're actually very good. Mm-hmm. Like, I like Ariana Grande. But, like, would they have done Ariana Grande 10 years ago? Totally. Is a question. Yeah, I think, you know? I think it's that one's interesting, not to get off track. I do think that one's interesting, because <laughs> Cynthia Erivo is actually a, not only an yes. amazing singer, but also has done, like, musicals and stuff. So I think, like, that's a weird, like, That one's more thoughtful. Hybrid. Yeah, that but, a, yeah. you know, I wonder if there's, like... It's, it's funny because I was thinking about it with also directors as well, because I was thinking about Cats and the way that happens. And that was potentially because it involved a director that is not familiar with musicals at all. Yeah. But then I'm like, but then here's like Joel Schumacher, like knocking it out of the park. And I'm like, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> maybe well, he just was the right guy for the job. I don't know. Like, Well, I think it's that. And I think maybe he maybe he's not necessarily a theater person, yeah. but likes liked phantom or liked yeah. the source material yeah. or something like that but it's just something that i've noticed like in like kind of post this phantom movie is just 
gearing really heavily. And I like it's not like there wasn't celebrities in movie musicals yeah. before, but like even like Moulin Rouge wasn't based on a a Broadway show. Yeah. It's just like created on its own. Yeah. So it's it's just something that I, it's kind of sad because you just, like, don't see as much of, and you just see this kind of, like, conglomeration of, like, how many famous actors can we pretend yes. sing? Yes. Yes, <laughs> and, exactly. Yeah. And and it cheapens the experience, yeah. I think, a little bit, where you just don't – you don't have to be the best singer, but, you know, you have to be right for the role, which, like, I think Gerard Butler is, for example. Like, yeah. it, I enjoy watching him, and I think it maintains the spirit – of the show. Yeah, I agree. And I also, you know, I always go back to the thing of like, this involves a lot of real sets. They actually, mm-hmm. here's my first piece of trivia, they actually burned down the theater at the end, you know? Like, and I, I don't know, I wasn't clear if that was like literally a place or a set, but they lit it on fire, whatever it was. And, um, you know, I really think that shows. This is a beautiful mm-hmm. movie. This is so sumptuous. And, like, I always yeah. think of, like, The Masquerade is, like, just absolutely amazing. It is so stunning. Like, every piece of it, from the costuming to the choreography and everything else. And, like, I really think um, there's just, there's a lot of movies these days that just can't do that, you know? And, and I, I think of, like, Into the Woods was very much like that. Like, that mm-hmm. movie just in my memory, is very bland and, like, blue and gray and kind of empty, you know? And and very CGI. Yeah, very CGI. So I think it's, like, again, with it's a similar symptom of the same problem, you know, where it's, like, yeah, it's just not, people aren't thinking of these as movies, they're thinking of them as vessels for celebrities. Um, and, like, just, like, kind of, like, vague content. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, a, it's just to be consumed while maybe you're, like, looking at your phone, mm-hmm. for example, because... This movie's very colorful and does not shy away from color, yeah. where I think you see a trend now of that kind of blue, orangey, gray look. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, that Into the Woods was one I was thinking, too. It's yeah. like, I'll, all I remember of it is being dark. Just, like, kind of monochromatic, <laughs> which is so weird. It must be a CGI thing, because um, Les Mis yeah. is like that. But I think that one's also... That one... I go back and forth on that one, because I think, like, it. it has... It is very dark, but it's also, like... It's just a dark story, like, in general, like, metaphorically Yeah, speaking. so like, I mean, I think like, that, like, works. But, you know, yeah, I think of it that, that one. And then Cass is the same way. There's a kind of, like, this yeah. weird sheen across everything where, like, you had to do that in order to make all the CGI, like, fit together correctly. You had to do a final color pass on everything that was just, like, yes. orange across all, you know? And so I think... It's all, like, muted yeah. and nothing... You can't really, like, differentiate, like... Yeah objects very well yeah so i mean again like this one is just such a, a treat to rewatch because it is mm-hmm. it is so like stunning and like visually interesting yeah yeah exactly and i think it's just and also clips i've seen from dear evan hansen like i know it's also a dark story but it's like i just see blues and grays yeah and like all of those trailers is just which is just not what you think of either when you think of a musical yeah you even even one that has a good maybe darker source material yeah. or a storyline that's not necessarily like as well not like this one's a cheery fun time <laughs> yeah. but i mean it does get a little bit of a leg up in that it takes place in an opera you know but i, I think yeah one thing sure. i think of a lot is like the opening sequence is one of my favorite mm-hmm. parts of the movie and Same. it's because it takes whatever how long it is three five minutes 
you go through the theater, you see all these little tiny moments like throughout from the rafters to the basement. You see Mm -hmm. all these people, you understand where you are. You see this beautiful, like chaotic, like kind of sleazy, like place, you know, and done. Like you're set. You have the vision for like the rest of the movie. And that's really smart. And I, and, and I, it, I do think like this is just a really good combination of like genuine, very good blocking, very good, Yes. You know, choreography, like all these things. And it also knows that it is making a movie. It is not just taking songs that stand in one place on a stage or have like dancers. It's not just taking that and like transposing it into a flat like camera angle. It really is trying to like transpose that. And I think that's difficult to do, but this movie was able to do it, you know? So. Well, well, and I think that's a benefit of, of having. A director who understands the visual language of a movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, even with, like, the, the Batman movies, um, which are, like, not the most well-regarded, which I think it's getting a cult following yeah. now. But anyway, but it's, like, but it does understand, like, oh, I'm going to make a comic book movie mm-hmm. and it's going to look ridiculous. Yeah. And it just, like, understand, like, the visual language. I think, you know, Joel Schumacher is just, like, a filmmaker who's, like, been around enough times to, <laughs> to know how to show yeah. a movie. And I think that's, like, what works. And again, like, Lost Boys is, like, it's, for all that it is kind of lo-fi and grungy in parts, it is mm-hmm. so stylish, and it is just, like, very, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it's got this, like, je ne sais quoi about it. So I do think, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, it, no, it but it makes weird, a difference. Yeah, it really does, like, work somehow. I don't know, you know. So, yeah, I think that's it. Like, he just, he has a good eye. Like, clearly he hired the right people to do this, and he... You know, I do think about the fact that, like, he adapted this with Andrew Lloyd Webber. So I do think that was, well, like, yeah. the right combo, which I'm sure helps as well. Um, Absolutely. But um, I'm trying to think of anything else. I feel like we covered just about No, everything. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, like, rewatching it and looking back, like, there's so much to appreciate about it. Just, it just feels a little different. Yeah. And it's, and it's something that I would kind of hope more movie musicals revive that I guess yeah. would be best to say like I don't I'm not particularly hopeful about that part but you know I think I think it's important to like really understand good casting and someone yeah. who can both understand the allure of the movie musical but also know that you're making a movie <laughs> yeah yeah and I yeah and I think just having the stylish I don't know. Maybe it's just like so, the right so, someone with like a point of view, yeah. you know, someone with the, the correct one that matches like the musical yeah. that is is being shown. Exactly. So I mean, and again, like this one's kind of having a moment because it just returned to Broadway um, again. So right. which I, is great, you know. And I think, um, yeah, I, it definitely makes you want to see it in, in theater, like in the theater. Yeah, you know, totally. like after I watched it, I was like, man, I want to go. See I know, it. me too. So, I was like, gonna too. Cool. I was like, oh, maybe we'll go back and see it. Yeah, it. Which I think that's like the best way you know it's good like, like yeah and not in a like oh i hated that i need to go see it in theaters to like <laughs> cleanse yeah. my mind yeah like this is like no they they sing together they're different but they're the same you know like <laughs> exactly exactly they're par- they, they're parallels yeah. you know they're reflections of one another <laughs> exactly um yeah so anyways i mean obviously we would totally recommend rewatching it if you haven't in a while or if you've never seen it do yourself a favor it is so fun oh my gosh um, yeah i uh is it on? No, it's on HBO Max. That's where it is right now, um, or it was at the time that I watched this. It so. was, yeah. I thought I thought it was on Netflix, but yeah, it's definitely on HBO yeah, Max. Yeah, it's making the rounds at this point. Yes, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's just a fun movie. Go, cool. go, have a nice time. <laughs>
Um, anyways, I think that about wraps it up for us. This is going to be a short, a shorter episode to make up for our longer episode last time, uh, for Dune, uh, but that is still available. And then obviously like- Still in theaters. Still in theaters. Yeah. Go see that in theaters. My God, I'm probably going to go see it again. Like do it again. You know? <laughs> um, but also like, of course, in spite of our break, we have a really massive back catalog. So if you're interested, um, go check that out. And other than that, um, something we haven't said for a very long time, which is, um, if you like what you're listening to, we always appreciate it if you can go on oh, yeah. Apple Podcasts and give us either a star rating or if you really have some time, a review is always amazing yeah. um, because it actually it helps other people find us and it lets other people um, know that we are a, a real podcast um, <laughs> at some point, We're not a which we one. don't believe either. But um, anyways. It's just something I tell people at parties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, wait, people actually listen to this? Um, but uh, anyways, uh, thanks so much for listening and stayed about out there. And we will see you again in two weeks. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, bye. bye.